This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 108. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, podcast listeners, what's up? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Welcome back to the regular listeners and those of you listening for the very first time. If you are a jazz geek or a musician or someone who wants to be a better player, You are in the right place, so stay around, stick around. Now, we are closing up Jazz Standards Month. The month of March has been Jazz Standards Month. And we're closing that up today with a great episode, episode 108, which is all about using motific development to help you develop themes in your jazz solos. And this episode, we're going to be talking about what is motific development How can it help us? And I'm going to be giving you some examples as well. So stick around. Make sure you stay tuned. Now, Jazz Standards Month, if you've been listening for a while for the last several episodes, you know that this is leading up to uh, a big book launch, ebook launch, and companion course, the Jazz Standards Playbook, which the official date now is... April the 8th, Sunday, April the 8th, 2018 is when this book is coming out. Super stoked about this. This is a book that goes into depth into 10 jazz standard studies where, of course, these jazz standards are important to know, but they also have tons of lessons to teach us about jazz, about harmony, about music theory, about improvisation, that if we can unlock these and get inside of these, we can really unlock hundreds of other standards. So I'm really excited about this book. It's going to be launching. Now, if you want to be the first to know about this book coming out, which I encourage you to do so, if you think that this is something that could be right for you, I want you to go to the jazzstandardsplaybook.com and sign up to get early notification. The jazzstandardsplaybook.com. Now, one last thing before we jump into today's show here. Last week, I invited you to become a member of our LGS Community Facebook group. We've started that up. It's only been around for a couple of weeks now, and we already have over a 1,000 members, and there's a lot of incredible, great conversations happening. So if you want to connect with those who listen to this podcast and those who are subscribers to the Learn Jazz Standards newsletter, if you want to connect with all these different musicians, go there. It's a closed group, so you'll have to ask to be uh, to be added. There's a couple questions I have for you, and then uh, I'll let you into the group and join the rest of us. It's a fun party. So if you want to get uh, involved in the Facebook group, go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash community. I'd love to see you inside there. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right, today's episode is all about motific development. Okay, motific development. This is a great technique that can be used to develop themes in your improvisation. 
Now, oftentimes, I find that, and I find this in myself, too, as well. I can't just say that I'm not guilty of this sometimes, too. I find that it's easy for musicians, for our tendency to be to play a bunch of different ideas that aren't necessarily always connected with each other when we get up to do a solo, whether it be in jazz, whether it be any other kind of music. The temptation is to play idea after idea in an endless stream of notes, right? We want to fill in that space. We want to keep the ideas flowing, right? Well, sometimes we forget, though, that we need to be developing themes in our solos, in our improvisation, to make a big impact on our listeners and, of course, on our other bandmates as well. So there's a lot of ways that we can practice this, but I find a great way to practice this is to develop motifs. Now, what is a motif? Here's a definition for you. In music, a motif is a short rhythmic or melodic passage that is repeated or evoked in various parts of a composition, okay? Repeated or evoked in various parts of a composition. Now, this means that we're not just going from idea to to the next idea to the next idea. We're taking a theme, a rhythmic theme or even a melodic idea, and we're repeating it over the harmonic context that we are presented with, right? Now, we might have chord changes going by, different chords going by, but we may still be sticking to a specific kind of rhythm or, or a specific... Um, pattern that we're dealing with, okay? So there's all kinds of different kinds of motifs, but the idea is that we're staying in this general theme. And not only does this create themes in our solos, it actually also challenges us to take some melodic or rhythmic information and translate it, there's the key word right there, translate it into a different key or a different quality of chord. Maybe you're playing a harmonic idea, a melodic idea over a major seventh chord, but then that chord changes into a minor seventh chord. And then how are you going to translate that same idea into that different quality of chord, possibly in a different key or a different uh, quality of chord, okay? Does that make sense? So a motif in music is a short mo- rhythmic or melodic passage that is re- that is repeated, whoa, or evoked in various parts of a composition. I feel like I can't read today. Um, and so this lesson that where, where I talk about motifs, this comes out of our new ebook that's coming out soon, the Jazz Standards Playbook. And specifically, we apply this improv lesson over top of the Jazz Standard on Green Dolphin Street, okay? Because now Green Dolphin Street has a lot of great lessons to teach us, but specifically those first eight bars are kind of, uh, they're interesting harmonically. What's happening there? That's the big question a lot of people have. Now, I'm going to use an example. Um, You know, on Green Dolphin Street, the common keys are Concert C and Concert E flat. At least that's what I find most jazz musicians are playing that song in. So it would go like this. It's really the first eight bars that I'm going to hone in on today. It starts with the C major 7 to the C minor 7 to the D7, D flat major 7. Right? So, okay, so it's, uh, it's this part. Okay, actually, that was a little more than the eight bars I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the C major seven, C minor seven, D flat seven, or D seven rather, and then the D flat major seven. Okay, those are the chords I'm talking about. So, really quickly, what's happening here? We start on the root. This is the key center, the parent key center of C major. 
C major 7. Now that turns into a C minor 7. You can almost think of it as we're going into the minor key now, the parent minor key of C minor. Okay, what's the difference between a major 7th chord and a minor 7th chord? The flat 3 and the flat 7 make up the minor chord. Okay, so we're flatting the 3, flatting the 7th. So, one bar of C major 7. Uh, two bars, rather. And then two bars of C minor 7. And then D7. Now, usually this is played over a pedal. So there's a C in the bass for all of these chords. So, but D7 over C. And then D flat major 7 over C and C major 7. So the big question that people always have is once we get once we get past the C minor 7, thinking of that as the one minor chord, if you want to think of it that way, you get to the D7, which now D minor 7 would be the 2 chord in C major, right? But we're changing it to a dominant 7th chord. Now in jazz, this is not all that uh, weird. This is normal to turn a minor 7th chord into a dominant 7th chord, okay? You can do that. And this happens all the time. Jazz musicians turning minor 7th chords into dominant 7th chords. So that's not necessarily so weird, right? We're just, uh, instead of a minor 7th chord, we have a major 3rd in there. So C major 7, C minor 7, D7, that's the dominant 2 chord, but this is the one that gets people. D flat major 7. What's that doing there? And then it resolves to a C major 7. A couple ways to think of that D flat major 7, and let's go over them really quick. The first one is it's a sort of tritone substitution. Now, we've talked about tritone substitutions on the show before, but just a little review for those who didn't listen to that show or don't know what it is already. Tritone substitution is simply taking... Uh, and normally, this is the case, it's taking a dominant 7th chord and replacing it with another dominant 7th chord, a tritone interval away. This is a, So, in other words, if we're in the key of C, we, we have a 2 chord, it's D7. Well, normally, to get to that C, we would connect it with the 5 chord, which is G7. Okay? So, it would be D7, or D minor 7, to G7, to C major 7. Well, tritone substitution says we're going to replace that G7, a tritone away, and a tritone away, that's the sound of that interval, is D flat, but it would be a D flat 7. So normally it would be a D7, D flat 7, C major 7. That'd be a proper tritone substitution. Well, in this case, that's not what's happening. It's a tritone away, the root is, but it's a major 7th chord rather than the dominant 7th chord. So you can think of it as a type of tritone substitution, a D7 and then a D flat major 7 to substitute the G7 to a C major 7. Now, the second way to think about this is to think of it as just a passing chord. You know, we have basically descending roots going on here. We have a D7 as the 2 chord, D flat 7 to the D, to the C major 7. So it's really just a passing chord in between. Either way, it's not worth getting hung up over. The important thing is to realize what are the difference in notes between all these, right? You have to you have to kind of map out these notes. We talked about mapping last time, you know, arpeggiating all this stuff, finding the different tones in these chords that really make the difference using guide tones. All that stuff is really important for identifying these. So to sum up, we have C major 7 for two bars. That's the parent key center, the tonic. To C minor 7, it's we're, we're basically insinuating a new tonic. It's the C minor. We're in a new key, rather. Okay, so C minor. Now, D7, 
D-flat major 7. You can think of it as a tritone sub or a passing chord, either one, to C major 7, okay? So that's what we're dealing with here. So how do we approach these chords? Because this isn't like typical diatonic har- harmony going on here. They're not, it's not typical. So we have, we have different things going on here. I mean, this isn't 251s, 1625s, 3625s, stuff that we're used to in jazz harmony cycling and force. It's working a little bit differently. So the way I do it in the Jazz Standards Playbook is I draw the lesson of motivic development to help us simplify these this chord progression by rather than trying to take a bebop approach to this, you know, playing these chord changes, spelling them out the way a bebopper would, it's just taking simple rhythmic and melodic ideas and repeating those same ideas over the different chord changes. So uh, let me play for you an example of a motif, a, mo- uh, a motif that is repeated over these first eight bars of On Great Dolphin Street. So here's the first one I want to show you. So if you want to see this example and all the examples that I'm going to show you today, notate it out. You can go to the show notes, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 108 if you want to check that out, okay? But here's what's going on here, whether you're at the show notes or not. The rhythmic structure for the two bars that are spent on each chord, well, at least the first four bars, are quarter note, three-eighth notes, and a dotted quarter note. And the second bar is four eighth notes tied to a half note, okay? So the last eighth note is tied to a half note. So, and, and the chord tone structure is this. It's seven root third nine five, okay? Seven root third nine five. That's the first bar. And the second bar is similar. It's seven root third nine. It just ends on the nine. So seven root third nine. So seven root third nine five. 7 root 3rd 9, okay? Now, the same thing. That's over a C major 7. Now, over the C minor 7, it's the exact same thing, the exact same rhythm. 7 root 3rd 9, 5, okay? Except for now, it's B flat. That's the 7, right? Root is C. E flat is the 3rd now. D is still the 9. And G is still the 5th. So, 7 root 3rd 9, 5. So, seven root third nine at the end there. So seven root third nine five. Okay, see how that works? It's the exact same structure and the exact same rhythm. Now, when we get to the D seven over C and the D flat major seven over C, uh, we are we're, we're doing the basically the the quarter note, three eighth note, and dotted quarter note rhythm, and it's the same formula though. It's seven root third nine five. So in the case of D7, it's 7, which is C, root, D, 3rd, which is F sharp, 9 is E natural, 5 is A. That's the dotted chord note. So it's, okay, that's over D7. Now, over the D flat major 7, we got to adjust for the chord now, right? So the 7 is actually still C right? C. And then root is D flat. So half step up. So seven root. And then F natural is the third. 
So, and then E flat is the nine. And A flat is the fifth. So, oops. So we have. Okay, see how that works? Now, you hear the difference in those chords, right? But we're all we're doing is we're taking the same formula and repeating it over all those chords. See how helpful that is? Now, obviously, in practice, this is a little bit robotic. It's not necessarily 100% musical. But if we can practice this way, practice this technically, it can help us actually apply this in real musical situations, okay? So much value in here. Now, I don't want to spend forever on this episode. I want to keep it a little bit short and sweet because I, I think that this idea is fairly simple, and it's more that I want to call you to action to actually practice this this week. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Here's another motific idea, and then we're going to uh, check it out, and I'll talk about it. The reason I want to show you this one is because it is a little less uh, formulaic and possibly a little more musical. In other words, it's kind of generally following a formula. It's a, a rhythmic structure and, uh, yeah, a little bit of a formula with the chord tones, but it's actually messing with them a little bit to adjust for each one and trying to target different extensions. So that's why I want to show you this one. So let's talk about it really quick. First of all, rhythmically, the general rhythm is four quarter notes with the, uh, rather eighth notes, four eighth notes with a half note tied at the end with for the first measure. The second measure starts with a quarter note rest and then another four eighth notes tied with a quarter note at the end. And that's the first four bars follows that rhythmic formula. The The last four bars where the D7, the D flat major seven, the C major seven happen, it's four eighth notes with a tie on the last eighth note to another eighth note and then another eighth note. So that's confusing. It's six eighth notes, but there is a tie on the fourth eighth note to the fifth eighth note. Okay, does that make sense? Um, and it follows that formula. Again, you can check this out in the show notes if that's confusing. But let's go to the C major seven. Essentially what we have here is a three, 13, seven, five formula. Okay, so E natural, A natural, B natural, G natural. And the second measure is a quarter note rest, and then it goes 7, 13, 5, 3. So in total, it's... Okay, now we're switching to a C minor, uh, C minor 7 chord, but actually this time we're targeting a C minor 11. So it's a C minor 11 chord. I'll tell you why. We have... E flat, which is the flat three, and then we have G, which is the five, B flat, which is the flat seven, and then F, which is the 11. So that outlines a C minor 11 chord. And then the last, the, the second measure of that phrase there is B flat, G, F, E flat. So 7, flat 7, 5, 11, 3. Okay, see how that works? Now let's go to the D7. 
Well, actually, hold on. Let's talk about that for a second. So what changed there? What was the difference? Well, instead of targeting the 13th like we did in the C major 7, we were targeting the 5th, okay? So we switched those out. And then the last ending note there we decided was an 11th, the F, rather as opposed to the 5th, which it was on the C major 7. So we just change it up a little bit, just get a little different colors and sounds going on there. Now, over the D7, we have something a little different. We have F sharp, A, C, B, A. What is that? That is 3, 5, flat 7, 13, 5. It's kind of bluesy, right? That's the rhythm. Now we're going down to the D flat major 7. We have F natural now, A flat, C, B flat, A. Exact same formula. Three, five, seven, thirteen, five. So, all right, does that make sense? So, we're taking a general idea, but we're tweaking it a little bit for musical taste. So, one more time, this is what it sounds like. So to summarize, this is a great way to break things down, to chop things down, to find those notes that really differentiate each chord from each other, and to just find rhythmic and harmonic melodic ideas that make sense that you can repeat over top and will help us develop themes. So here's my challenge for you. I want you to take action on this this week. Try developing a couple of your own motific ideas over top of the first eight bars of On Green Dolphin Street, okay? You in for it? All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening, and thanks for tuning in. A shorter but sweet episode of the LGS podcast. Now, if you found value out of this show, as I always ask, please leave a rating and review some kind words uh, for the podcast on iTunes. So you can just go to iTunes, leave a rating and review. That really helps us out, helps other people find the show and let them know that this is a show worth listening to. Remember, if you like some of this stuff we've been talking about this month in the Jazz Standards Month, be sure to go to the jazzstandardsplaybook.com and sign up for early notification for when our new ebook, The Jazz Standards Playbook and Companion Course, comes out. I'd love to have you involved in that and uh, very excited about this book. Now, we've been doing a lot of solo shows lately, and I hope you've been enjoying them, but I love having guests on this show, and so we are going to be coming back strong with guests uh, pretty soon here. And upcoming in next uh, next week's episode 109, we are going to be jumping right back into guests. We're going to be having special guest Brett Pontecorvo, who is my engraver. Now, what's an engraver? An engraver is someone who uh, helps you edit and notate music, make sure everything's lined up, make sure that all the notation is correct. And he was the engraver for my book. He is a professional at this. He's also been on this show before to talk about sight reading, but he has a lot of amazing stuff to talk about. And we've never done a show on how to notate music, how to do it properly, tips, tricks, tools of the trade. So I'm excited to have him on the show next week in episode 109 I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com 
forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.